Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brian Krumah. Reverend Brian Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. I'm grateful tonight for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for making way for us to be here tonight. We pray, Lord, that you give us of your spirit to teach us. Anoint my lips, O God, that your words that shall proceed out of my mouth shall not be of man's wisdom, but let it be the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. We are grateful tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands together for Jesus and be seated, please. Tonight, we are continuing on our message on God has begun a good work in you. God has begun a good work in you. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. The book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Says Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with their bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for all you are, for you all making requests with joy. There's always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that is our scripture, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So you can see in this scripture, there are three things that you can take note. He says that the, that the work that God is doing within you has just begun. Isn't that so? The work has just begun. Whatever stage you are in, God has just begun a good work in you. He has begun a good work in you. And number two, that God intends to continue the work. God intends to continue it. Do you see? He intends to continue it. And number three, it will not finish until Jesus comes. The work that God has begun in you will not finish until Jesus comes. Hallelujah. So until Christ comes, God is working on us. God is working on us. 
And if there is any need for work to be done in you, it means that you have not attained yet. You have not reached the goal. You are not perfect yet. Your life ought to be worked on. And God is working on our lives. Hallelujah. The work continues at every stage of our work with God. No matter what stage we are in. Whether you are a bishop, you are an archbishop, you are a a reverend minister, you are a shepherd, you are a, a church member. Whatever stage you are in, God is working on you. You have not attained. Hallelujah. It means that in your Christian life, there will be never a time, never a time that you must feel as though you have arrived. There must never be a time where you feel this is it. You are, you are a matured Christian. Do you understand? You can be a mature Christian, but you can never be matured Christian. That you are finished growing. There should be no time like that in your Christian life. Or you have learned all that there is to learn. You have finished learning. Amen. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Or that God has finished working on you. You are a shepherd or you are a pastor or you are this. So God has finished working on you. This is it for you. It can never be so. Because at any point in time, God has begun working on you. The work has just begun. Wherever stage you are, the work has just begun. If you are a pastor, the work of a a pastor has just begun in you. If you are a shepherd, the work has just begun. Amen. If you are a Christian wife, the work has just begun. If you are a Christian husband, the work has just begun. You have not arrived. You have not arrived. Amen. So you must never be going about things as someone who God has finished working on. You must not behave as though you are someone who God has finished processing the work on. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Because this is a mistake a lot of people make. Especially when we have been in a church for some time. When we have been Christians for some time, our attitude is as though God has finished working on us. You know, when we are coming to church, our approach to coming to church, you know, that you are late and you are coming, and even your attitude shows that you, 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 you what, what is new? You see, that kind of behavior. Do you see? What is new? By now, they will be praying, then they will have some worship, you know, the preaching has not even started. And when the preaching starts, he's probably going to talk about last week <laughs> things. You see? So, what is... And your attitude, that attitude shows that you feel like you have arrived. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? You feel like you have arrived. You feel like there's nothing else. What else? Amen. How many of you know Apostle Paul? Paul. You see, Paul was someone who was mightily anointed. Very anointed. He's someone who his conversion, becoming a Christian, was not um, person to person. Like The Lord himself converted him. 
He met Christ himself. So his confession is not even like yours. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So, he witnessed the resurrection firsthand. Have you seen a Jesus resurrected? When Jesus resurrected, he met him. He, met, he witnessed the resurrection firsthand. Do you understand? So, he's, he was someone who was very powerful. He was someone who experienced things personally. He's someone who wrote almost half of the New Testament. Wrote half of the New Testament. More than any writers of the New Testament. You see? He received so much revelation. So much revelation. I mean, the things that Paul wrote about, he was not there when Jesus was teaching these things. He was not there when Jesus was teaching about the communion. He was not there. No man taught him. So he received direct revelation. Everything that he was teaching about marriage, about how Christ relates to the church, and he was not there. So these were revelations. So he received powerful revelations and was able to write all of these things. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Powerful revelations. One time he said he was caught up in the third heaven. And he says that the revelation was so massive, where man is not even allowed for, to use man's language, man's words, to express these things. The things that were revealed to him. Do you see? And he says that because of the revelation, the revelation was so powerful, the revelations that he was getting, it was so powerful, so powerful enough to make any man proud. Enough revelation to make any man proud. For that reason, he says, a thorn was given in his flesh. Just to buffet him, to come, to cool him down, to make him feel that you have not arrived. There is more to learn. Do you need a thorn in your flesh to teach you that you have not arrived? Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Someone who was like this, someone like this, you know, should feel as if God has finished with him. He should feel like that. But listen to something that he said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Something that he wrote. Can you have the New Living Translation? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. He said, that I may know him. That I may know him. Irene, do you understand? That I may know him. I desire to know him. What else is it to know? For all this, he said, that I may know him, that I may know Christ, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Did he not experience it? Did he not see it? Did he not encounter it? But he says, that I may know Christ, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Someone who wrote half of the New Testament, someone who received so much revelation, he says that he still wants to know him. How much revelation have you received? Do you see? Verse 11, he says, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to experience the resurrection from the dead. I want to know him well enough 
that I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Do you see? I don't mean, that is not what he's intending to tell you. I don't mean to say that I have already attained or achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Perfection, that is the goal. Perfection. I don't mean to say that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. I press on. I press on. I press on as if I don't know anything. I run when they are sharing as if I don't know anything. I run when there's a meeting as if I don't know anything. I press on to possess that perfection. That is my goal, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. When Christ first possessed me, that perfection that he intended, what he had in mind, that is what I'm pressing on to reach that goal. To reach that goal. So God has begun a good work in you. And he intends to reach it. And intends to bring you to that perfection. When he possesses you, when you give your life to him, when you give your life to Christ, his intention was a certain perfecting, a certain perfect state. That is where he, be, he wants to bring you. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? When you give your life to Christ, he has just begun the good work. He has just begun. He wants to bring you to that perfection. He wants to bring you to this place. He says, so I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Amen. Amen. Verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved it. But I focus on this thing. This is what I focus on. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the revelations. Forgetting the achievements. Forgetting the things that I have done. Forgetting the writings. Forgetting the books that I have written. Forgetting the ministries that I have begun. Forgetting the churches that I have started. He said, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. To reach the end of the race. What is the end of the race? And receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. And he says that he has begun a good work in you. And he intends to perfect it. He says, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sheila, do you understand? Verse 15, let all who are spiritually mature, do you see? Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Paul, agree on these things. This is what Paul is saying. I'm not talking about our own Paul that come to sit here. But this is Apostle Paul who didn't know anything. Do you understand? Who now is receiving all these revelations and now look what he's saying. He says, let all who are mature spiritually agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you at some point, if you disagree. You may disagree, 
but God will make it plain to you. God will explain. If just agree. But if you disagree at some point that you have reached, you have attained. Right. God is working on you. Hallelujah. And verse 16 says, but we must hold on to the progress we have made. We should not let go. Because he's working on us. So whatever progress we have attained, we should hold on to it and press on. Amen. And not make us feel as though we have arrived. And make us behave as though there is nothing else new. Amen. So no matter what stage you are in, we must know that the work has just begun. The work has just begun. Your work with God, the process has just begun. You have not attained yet. If Paul, the Apostle Paul, is saying he has not attained, then we have not attained anything. Amen. The work on your life has just begun. God has just begun working on your life. God has just begun working on your spirituality. God has just begun working on your marriage. God has just begun working on your character. He's not finished. The work has just begun. And he's going to work on it until he attains perfection about your character. So tell your neighbor, take it easy with me. God is working on me. Say, I'm not perfect. But he says, be confident in this. Be confident. Have confidence in this. I'm not a perfect wife. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect pastor. But I'm confident in this, that the one who has begun the good work in me, he is going to complete that work. I am confident in that. I am confident in that. Robert, I am confident in that. That one day you will find me a different pastor. Hallelujah. As God is still working on me, as long as I avail myself for him to work on me, I will attain. I will reach that. I will reach that perfection. I will reach that goal for which Christ possessed me. What he had in mind when he died for me. What he had in mind when he sacrificed his life for me. Where he intended to bring me, he's going to take me there. And he's going to take you there. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. You see, but today many of us behave as if we have arrived. Many of us behave as if we have attained. We behave as if there's nothing else to be done about your life. Some of us choose meetings that we think are important. We choose meetings. That is a, that is a behavior. You see, these are some of the signs, the symptoms that you feel you have arrived. You choose which kind of meeting. You see, the people who, no matter what, as, uh, unless something really prevents them, they will be at the meeting. Those are, are the ones who feel that there is still something for me to learn. There is still room for God to work on me. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? But you choose certain meetings and then you just select even the times. You choose certain times. Amen. We feel there's nothing new that he's going to preach about. There is nothing new that he's going to teach. Isn't that so? You see, some of the signs or some of the feelings, some of the signs that you have a feeling of 
I have attained. You know, it's not taking notes in church. Not taking notes in church. You don't write notes. It means there's not, what you are saying is not new. I mean, it means there's nothing new. Because if it is new to you, you write it down. When you go to lectures and your teacher is, your professor is teaching, and he's, it's not revision. If it's revision, you just take your old notes and you are looking in it. Isn't that so? But if he's teaching something new, and he says, this is going to come in exams, you highlight it. That is another sign that you, have, you, have, you feel like you have attained when you stop highlighting in your Bible. You stop highlighting. You stop highlighting. You stop copying scriptures and putting them in your notes. Now that electronic phones and electronic iPads and all kinds of electronic Bible, we don't know. And now that we project the Bible, some of you, you have stopped bringing Bibles to church. It's a sign that you feel that what else is new. This church, we have gone now. Am I preaching to someone? Yeah. It's a sign that you feel that you have attained. You don't carry Bible to church anymore. I think they are going to project it. Because you don't intend that there will be something new for you to underline. Some revelation scripture for you to highlight. You don't feel like that. Amen. Another sign is also reading your emails and text messages in church. When the preaching is going on. And you are reading your email. When the preaching is going on and you are checking your text messages and responding to text messages, it's a sign that you feel that God is done. It's a sign that there's nothing new. Because if you feel that what he's going to, what he's going to say you have not heard before, you will not miss that moment to respond to a text message. Some of you during the preaching, you are on Facebook. Facebook. During the preaching. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? And the most notorious one, the most notorious one is when you sleep during the preaching. When you sleep during the preaching and you are yawning during the preaching. You see, you may think that is a sign that you are tired. It's not a sign of tiredness. It's, it's a sign that you have arrived. It's a sign that this message didn't you preach it before? I think last year you the same thing you preach it. It's not a sign that you are tired. It's a sign that I'm familiar with this message. It's a sign that I know what he's going to talk about. It's a sign that I know where he's going to go. You see, when you are driving on a, on a road that you don't know and you are lost, when you are driving and you are lost, no matter how tired you are, do you fall asleep? When you are driving and you are lost, do you fall asleep? When you are looking for the direction and you want to get to where you are going and you don't know how to get there, do you fall asleep and say, I'm so tired, I fell asleep? Does it happen? You'll be very alert. 
Because you know that you don't know what is happening. You don't know what the next turn is going to be. You are not familiar with the next turn. You are not familiar with the next curve. You are not familiar which light is going to show up. You are alert. You are are awake. No matter how tired you are. Because you think that you need to know where it's going. You need to know the next move. The next step. What he's going to say next. But when you are driving on a familiar road. When you are driving on the same road that you have been driving for years, you fall asleep because you are familiar with the road. Because you know where it's going to go. You know where the next turn is going to come. And then you fall asleep. You know the next turn is not until 10 miles. You know where the cops are, the police are. But when you don't know, when you don't know, and they tell you that, listen, police can be anywhere, you are alert. You are looking out. True or not true? Yeah. So when it sounds like the message is familiar to you, you have certain attitude. Even when we are given certain windows, you know the window already. You, you know where it's going to go. And after this window, I think he's going to follow it up with this other window. You know it all. And so he said, let me take that, even that time to go to the bathroom. Because he's going to give three windows. When he reaches here, he's going to give three windows. It's the message that I'm listening. I know the message that he's preaching. And even you have heard some mighty, powerful men of God preach this message. You say, oh, it's this message that Bishop preached this message. So, Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And you have attitude like that. You have attitude like that. But God says, no matter where you are, whether you have heard it before, whether you have listened to it before, he is still working on you. Whatever stage you are in. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2. You see, this scripture is in the Bible, but I never came across it until I listened to a message. It says, and if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. If any man think that he knoweth anything, if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. You don't know anything. Tell your neighbor you don't know anything. You don't know NATO. Tell your neighbor you don't know NATO. Amen. You have written loyalty and loyalty three times. And so as we are sharing from loyalty and loyalty, oh, he's going to talk about the stages of this loyalty and stage one, stage two, stage three. You, you, have, you, have, you have passed three exams. You have written them three times. He's going to give the widows about Joab. When he's done, he's going to talk about Absalom. He's going to talk about this. He's going to t- you know all of the windows. But God is saying that no matter what you know now, you know nothing. If you think you know, you know nothing. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, to write the same things to you, to me, needed is not grievous. 
it is not grievous to him. It is not too much. He says it is not too much of work to keep writing the same things to the church, to keep preaching the same things. He says it is not grievous. To me, indeed, it's not grievous, but to you, to you, it is safe. It is for your safety that these things are being written or these things are being gone over and over and over again for your safety. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So, even going over the previous week's message and going over it again, sometimes when we begin, some of you will say, oh, move on. We... True or not true? You say, move on. Ah, you went over it last week. And the week before, the same point, you went over it three times. Move on. Move on to the next point. <laughs> you see? But you see, if you have the right spirit, you realize that even when we are going over it again, you learn something else. You learn something else. If you have the right spirit. But if you lock your mind, then you learn nothing. You learn nothing. So, to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But to you, it is safe. It is for your safety. Do you understand? It's for your safety. It is safe. It is safe to hear the same thing again. It is safe. It is safe. It is the best way of learning. To hear the same thing over and over and over again. If you like, you just quote a scripture on your phone. Quote a scripture on your phone. Just quote it. And then as you are driving, drive to work. Let the scripture repeat. Just repeat and come back home. Just let the same scripture repeat. You'll be able to quote that scripture. I'm telling you. Without thinking, you will quote that scripture. I'm telling you. Just take one scripture. You say, today as I'm driving, one scripture. Take it. Come. Let it play. You see, set it to. Do you have that way of replaying something? You don't know how to do it. (laughs) So when we are repeating things, it it is for your safety. It's for your safety. Amen. Amen. Anyway, so last week, (laughs) I began, or two weeks ago, I began to share with you the good work God has begun in you. Isn't that so? And um, I gave you some points about some of the things that God has begun working in you. What did we say? What did we say? And to take you into heaven. Wonderful. So, God has chosen to convert you, to make you into a new creature, and take you to heaven. And that he's going to work on you. Today, I want to recategorize them into certain areas of our lives so that it has broader coverage. So, the first thing, so we are placing these things, these things under different categories. And the first one, we want to place it under the category, God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. 
So I'm going to give you three areas, or seven areas, that God has begun good work on, that he's working on us. So the first one is, God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. Your spirit or your heart. That is your very being, you, who is the real you. And number two, do you have that? God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. We will pace with you, slow writers. Number two, God has begun a good work on your soul. On your soul. On your soul. And your soul includes your mind, your emotions, and your will. Tonight, everyone is taking notes. It's powerful. I think the preaching is working. Preaching is pinching. So, God has begun a good work on your soul. And your soul includes your mind, your emotions, and your will. Number three. Okay, it is working. Number three. God has begun a good work on your flesh. So, number one. God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. God has begun a good work on your spirit or your heart. Just write, because you have written God has begun a good work, right? Okay. And then number two, your soul. God has begun a good work on your soul. And your soul, I said, it includes your mind, your emotions, and your will. Number three, God has begun a good work on your flesh. Your flesh. That is your physical body. Your body. Your flesh. God is interested in that. God will work on your flesh. And number four, number four, God has begun a good work on your finances. And your social circumstances. God has begun a good work on your finances and your social circumstances. Do you have that? Your finances and your social circumstances. Number five, God has begun a good work on your character and your personality. Your character and your personality. God has begun working on your character and your personality. Number six. Number six. So number five, your character and your personality. And number six, God has begun a good work on your marriage and relationships. God has begun a good work on your marriage and relationships. And number seven, number seven, he is working on you to become a leader or a minister of the gospel. God is working on you to become a leader or a minister of the gospel. So let's go over them quickly. Number one, what is it?
on your spirit or your heart. Number two. Wonderful. So, on your soul, and into parentheses, mind, emotions, and will. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. Number three. On your flesh. Say the flesh. God is working on the flesh. Amen. God has begun a good work on your flesh or your physical body. Number four. Wonderful. God has begun a good work on your finances and your sexual circumstances. Next one. On your character and personality. On a character and personality. What is the next one? On your marriage and relationships. On your marriage and relationships. And number seven. Wonderful. So he's working on you to make you a leader or a minister of the gospel. That you become a leader or a minister of the gospel. Hallelujah. So briefly, for a short time, we want to go over number one. God has begun a good work on your spirit. God has begun a good work on your spirit. Francis, God has begun a good work on your spirit. Amen. Now, by your spirit, it means your heart or the real you. The real you. Your heart or the real you. Your spirit. You know, in the book, Seven Great Principles, that Bishop wrote, um, one of the principles that he mentioned is that man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a body. Do you understand? So, a man... It's a spirit. You are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. You have a body that as a cage that you live in. Do you understand? It's a book that every Christian should read and it will explain so many things to you when you become born again. The steps that you go through and the things that God is doing. It's a very wonderful book. It explains sometimes the confusion between spirit and soul and so on and so forth. But they are not the same. Do you understand? Wonderful. So you realize that when you get born again, it is your spirit that gets born again. It is the spirit that gets born again. Your body does not change. When you get born again, your body does not change and your soul does not change. The day you get born again, your emotions are the same. Your mind is the same and your will is the same. It is your spirit that is born again. Hallelujah. These things do not change. Have you seen someone give his life to Christ and then he um, becomes light skinned from dark skin? You don't see that. Or you become from dark and then you, or you light and you become dark. You don't change. Do you understand? The body does not change. Or someone becomes born again today and so when you go out, you, you, the person has stopped lying. The rest of... The person just become born again and it doesn't happen like that. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. 
So when you become born again, it is your spirit that gets born again. In the book, uh, in the book of John 3 verse 6, the Bible says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you are born again, your spirit is the one that has received the rebirth. Hallelujah. So when you give your life to Christ, your spirit is born again. A good work has begun on your spirit. A good work has begun and it must continue. A good work has begun and it must continue. And it ought to continue. Hallelujah. It ought to continue and you have to allow it to continue. You have to allow that good work to continue. It is not born again once and free for as like it's done. You have to allow God to continue working on you. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Are you following the message so far? Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Attend to my words. You need to attend to the word of God. You need to attend. You need to listen to the word of God. You need to be an avid listener and an avid reader of the word of God. Amen. He said, incline thy ears, incline thine ears to, incline thine ears unto my sayings. That's the preaching. Isn't that so? Incline thy ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. That is the spirit. That's the you. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Then he says, For they are life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. Eventually, that is what it's going to lead to. It becomes life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. Then verse 24 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Out of thy spirit, out of thy heart, are the issues of life. Amen. When people conceive to do things, it has fallen in their hearts already. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Out of the heart are the wickedness of life. Out of the heart are the issue, out of the heart are the, the, the wickedness that man commits, that man, the demonic things that is out of the heart. Do you understand? So the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Protect your heart. Keep your heart. Preserve your heart. Protect it. So when you are born again, you, it becomes a duty for you to keep your heart. Though you are born again, you ought to protect the heart. It is not because you are born again, so you have a good heart now. You are a good-spirited person, suddenly. Do you understand? And the reason is that there are other things. There are other things that are competing to enter into you. There are other things that want to come into you. So you need to guard your heart. Keep that heart. Protect your heart. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. Luke chapter 11, verse 24. We are reading a lot of scriptures. This is our word power service. And you have to be alert. And 
have your antennas high. Be hungry for the word of God. That is what we are doing, reading the word of God. He says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, when the unclean spirit, you give your life to Christ, you, your, the unclean spirit is gone out now, there's, you want a new spirit. He says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. Do you understand? So if an unclean spirit leaves you, that spirit walketh through dry places, seeking rest. Spirits always find rest. They have to find rest. When they come out of you, they are restless. He says, he walk about dry places, seeking rest, and finding none. So if someone gives his life to Christ and unclean spirits come out, they are looking for other people to enter. Do you understand? But if we are sitting here and we are guarding our hearts, then he finds none. He finds nowhere to go. Then he saith to himself, I will return unto my house. You see, so unclean spirit is calling you his house. Old apartment. I couldn't find any place, so I'm going back to my old apartment. Nothing wrong with that. Isn't that so? You left, you couldn't find any other place, so come back. So he says, I will return unto my house. Whence I came out. I will go back to the place where I came. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. He finds it clean because the person is born again. New painting, clean, no furniture, no beds, nothing. It's all open, clean. So much room. You see, that is what happens to you when you give your life to Christ. You see? So he says, then, when he comes to find it all swept, clean, garnished, painted, everything removed, all the unclean spirit driven out. Everyone is gone. So he knows your potential. He knows what you, he knows that you, you can evict him. You can get rid of him. So what does he do? He says, then goeth he and take it to himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in because the place is empty. You are born again and no Bible reading, no scriptures, no church attendance, no prayer meetings, no prayer, no quiet time, nothing empty. So he returns with seven more spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You see, so that is why sometimes you see someone is born again and then you say, hey, born again Christian and you are behaving, you are worse than some of us who are in the world. Have you heard that before? Or you've not heard that before? Robert, you've not heard that before. They say of a Christian, you say, ah, you will say you are born again Christian, you go to one of those born again churches. You are worse than some of us who are in the world. And some of us born again Christians, we are worse than some people who are in the world. Because we are empty and the spirit come with seven other spirits more wicked than the first. And they enter. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So sometimes people 
people look at Christians and they get turned off. And it's because you are empty and you welcome the evil spirit that left you plus seven more. So your state is worse. So you find born again Christians who are now drinking more than they used to. Sleeping with women more than they used to. Because it's not one spirit that is driving you. There are eight spirits. One plus seven. Amen. See, that is why you are not surprised when you find someone in a church that is trying to sleep with all the girls. You see, and he wants to sleep with this one, he wants to sleep with that one. Perhaps before he came to the church, it was even one. But now, he wants all of them. And that person, you saw that person give his life to Christ. So, you are wondering why the person is standing in front of you and he says he wants to sleep with you. Because he's empty. No quiet time, no prayers, no Bible reading, nothing. No messages, doesn't listen to message. Nothing is filling in the heart. So, it's empty. So, wickedness, evil spirits have come. Amen. Amen. So when you are born again, God is working on your spirit. God is working on your spirit. He wants you to listen to messages. He wants you to read the word. He wants you to be filled with the word. That there will be no room for the enemy to enter. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. He says, Having therefore... These promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of what? Of the flesh and of what? Spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Of the flesh and spirit. So there we have to we have to clean the spirit also. And the goal is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That is the ultimate goal. Perfecting holiness. Perfect holiness. Hallelujah. That is where God intends to reach you. That is why he says, the one who has begun the good work, he will continue it. He will continue it because his mind, his goal for you is perfect holiness. Perfect holiness. And as long as we have not reached there, we must not behave as if we are. We have reached there. Amen. Amen. So we must not get born again and relax. We must not get born again and take the church for granted and think that this is it. When you die, you are going to heaven. It's done. God wants to work on you. Hallelujah. Your spirit must be cleansed. And be filled with godly things. Francis, do you understand the word of God? Yes. Your spirit must be filled with godly things. So, for example, you know, you are someone, you, you know, because all these wickedness, they are from the spirit, unforgiveness. You know, you are so unforgiving. You know, everything you cannot forgive. But as God works on your spirit, you become someone who easily forgives. Do you understand? So, God is replacing all of these spirits that are in you. Some of you have the spirit of bitterness. You are bitter because of some experiences. Bitterness. And you, you, you have hatred in you. 
And God wants to work on you. God wants to work on you such that all these bitterness, you see, and as you avail yourself to the word of God, as you avail yourself, you see that all these spirits begin to leave you. Begin to leave you. They begin to leave you. And begin to leave you. And someone who was so unforgiving, someone who, you know, people have wronged you and it's so difficult for you to forgive. Now you are welcoming these people back into your life. That is how God is working on you. Amen. That is how God is working on you. Hallelujah. The second thing that we want to talk about, God has begun a good work on your soul. God has begun a good work on your soul. And your soul comprises your mind, your will, and your emotions. God has begun a good work on your soul. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. 1 Peter, 8, 1 Peter 1, 8. It says, Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Hallelujah. So, you see, your spirit is born again. Your soul ought to be saved. And it is ongoing. It is a continual work. He says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So, it is a continual work. You are going to be receiving until the end of your faith. Until Jesus comes. The salvation of your soul. God is working on your soul. God is working on the salvation of your soul. Amen. It is not finished. Tell your neighbor, it is not finished. Say, God is not done with you. You are receiving the salvation of your soul. Hallelujah. Amen. So God is working on your soul. You are receiving the salvation of your mind. You are receiving the salvation of your will. Hallelujah. You are receiving the salvation of your emotions. God is working on all these areas. Amen. That is why in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? How? Renewal of your mind. It's part of your soul. By the renewal, renewing, so it is an ongoing process, your mind is going to be renewed. It says, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good. And then what? What is acceptable? And then what? What is the perfect will of God? To reach that, to attain that, God has to continue working and renew your mind. It's a continual process. And the end goal is that you will attain, you see, that, that is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. When God is done working on your mind, you will have the perfect will of God. Amen. Amen. Many of you, you, by the time you came to Christ, your mind is so bad. Bad minds. You have bad minds about everything. Do you understand? Because of the conformity to the world. Because of what the world has done to you. And because of how you have also responded to the world, you have a bad mind. 
Amen. Amen. Because of worldly experiences, it has worked on your mind. But God intends to work on you and renew your mind. Amen. I say God is renewing your mind. Hallelujah. Many people are born again but have bad minds. Have you seen a born again Christian with bad minds before? Yeah. Bad mind. You have bad mind about marriage. You know, you are born again Christian, but marriage for you, even though marriage is in the Bible, your mind about marriage is very bad. Very bad. And it's because of the worldly experience that you have seen and have had. Do you understand? Yeah. And no matter how good God talks about marriage, your mind about marriage is very bad. But God wants to work on your marriage. God wants to work on your mind concerning marriage. How your mind should work on marriage. How you should think about marriage. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? God wants to work about how you think about women. Some of you, you have bad minds about women. You know, because of some experience that you have had. You have bad minds about women. And so you come and we say, we are born again Christian women. You have bad minds about us. You look at us with certain mind. Because of the worldly transformation. Do you understand? Some of you have bad minds about men. You have no good mind about men. You know, you say that, as for a man, when he says, look up, you have to look down. So everything man says, you don't believe. You have bad minds about, because of the experience, you see, it is not your fault. Do you understand? It is not your fault. It's because you have been conformity to the world. You have conformed to the world. The world has taught you how man is. But now, God is saying, be renewed in your mind. Have a renewal. He's renewing your mind. With the preaching of the word, as the word of God is preached and preached and preached to you, as you are listening and listening and listening, you realize that your mind about men starts changing. Your mind about marriage starts changing. The way you think about women starts changing. And you realize that it's not so after all. It's not that now women are made in a certain way. It's not that now men are made in a certain way. They are born differently or they are conceived differently. They're the same, but now your mind has been renewed. (laughs) Amen. Do you understand the word of God? It's not that marriage of the 21st century has changed. Now, the marriage has changed. The way they bless the marriage, it has made the marriage different. And the men, but your mind about marriage has been renewed. And some of you are now even desiring to marry. Whereas you have sworn in your life that as for marriage, never ever again. I never want to experience, but by the preaching of the word, the renewer, the renewer, the renewer, as the word is preached. Because before you, the way you used to talk to other people about marriage, you turn them off from marriage. You say, hey, what? Marriage. You see, but now you encourage, you encourage others to get married. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. So God is working on your mind. Some of you had bad minds about pastors. Bad minds about pastors. You think every pastor is a thief. Every pastor is a thief. Every pastor is after your money. Every pastor is... That was your mind. Isn't that so? That was your mind. That's what your mind was about. That 
Every pastor is a thief. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So, with, with time, as the word of God comes to you, as the word, some of you thought that every pastor's intention is to sleep with a young woman. Isn't that so? But you see, as the word of God comes to you, as, the, as you subject yourself, as you subject yourself to the word of God, you'll realize that your mind about pastors begin to change. And even you now, you want to be a pastor and become a lady pastor. You see? Yeah. Some of you are sitting here, your mind about pastors is still bad. Bad minds. Bad minds. You know? That somebody, even somebody is telling you an issue, you can't, you say, oh, it's possible, he can do that. He can. But, you see, but as you subject your mind to the word of God, and you avail yourself, and the preaching comes to you, and preaching comes to you, and preaching comes to you, because, you see, when you have a bad mind, even when the pastor says, come, I want to talk to you, you think he's, wow. Then you start looking at yourself, what did he see, you know? And you think that he's, in, but, and, or you think that he has some other intention. Sometimes when a pastor counsels you, you have even different meaning to the counseling. But after you subject yourself, after you subject yourself, you realize that, ah, so God gives pastors after his own heart. It's after God's heart that he gives pastors. So pastors are not really like that. Your mind begins to change. Your mind begins to change. And all your wickedness. So make, let your mind be renewed. Allow your minds to be renewed. Pastors are not thieves. Amen. Is somebody understand the word of God tonight? Some of you had different, even different minds towards education, about schooling and education. But the word of God is able to renew your mind even about education, about school, about career. That now you want to even go to school. Do you understand? Some, some of you felt that your mind was that uh, this school is a waste of time. Go and get a job and work. But God is able to work on your mind. In the church. Do you understand the word of God tonight? Yeah. And God is working on your mind. Amen. The next thing is God is working on your emotions. We are under soul. God is working on your emotions. Many Christians have uncontrollable emotions. Terrible emotions. Many Christians have wicked emotions. Amen. True or not true? You see, you, you see this often even among Christian women. You see, Christian women, they have emotions. And sometimes it can be terrible. You see, they can be very committed. They can be very committed to the church. But very wicked emotions. Very, very wicked. Some women can be very committed and very wicked, especially towards another woman. You see, they can be very wicked. Amen. When a woman is wicked, it's a terrible thing. Do you understand? A wicked woman is very dangerous. Amen. Oh, you don't know? Why are you looking at me like that? Listen, when a woman wants to be wicked, she can be a terror. Okay? She can be a terror. Do you understand? And uh, sometimes a lot of the 
evil that men do, they are orchestrated by women. I'm telling you. You find a man who is this, and then he changes you. When you look into it, there's a woman who has changed him. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? They poison minds. Evil. Evil minds. And terror. They terrorize other women. Look. Let's go to Philippians. <laughs> Let's read the Bible. You see, it's easy to always read the Bible and then you, you are done. So that people don't, I don't know why you are looking at me like that. Philippians chapter 4. I'm just reading the scriptures and when we finish, we close. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 2. He says, I beseech Iodias and beseech Sintiche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. You see, when you, when you go home, Google Iodias and Sintiche and look at images and see the representation of Iodia and Sintiche. Not now. I didn't say now. <laughs> then you understand. Do you understand? He says, I beseech Iodia and beseech Sintiche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. You see, they are hardworking. You see, they are powerful in the ministry. They are very supportive. But among themselves, between Yodia and Sintiche, the terror that was going on amongst them, it was not easy. And this spoils the church. Do you understand? It spoils the church. It always spoils the church. You put a group of... You know, let's not go there because... Uh, Amen. So it says, help these women which labored with me in the gospel. Help them. Why? Because they could not get along. They could not get along. But they are Christians. They are in a church terrorizing one another. Amen. But you see, when these things are corrected in the woman, when these things are corrected, when God has, when they have availed themselves, they have availed themselves, they have been in the ministry, availed themselves, and this, you have to open your mind and your heart for a change. You have to avail them for God to change. Otherwise, you will be in the church for many years and you will be like a Yodia and a Sintiche. But you have to allow God to work on you. You have to accept that the state that you are in, something needs to be worked on. Because when God is able to work on these things, they become some of the powerful people in the church. They become some of the people that any minister would like to have in his church. Oh yes. Look, even Jesus. Let me show you. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. In Jesus' ministry, verse 1. Luke chapter 8. He says, and it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. The twelve disciples were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. You see, they they ought to be, if you avail yourselves, when they follow and they follow and they follow, they get healed of the evil spirits and infirmities. 
Mary called Madeline, out of whom went seven devils. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart. And Susanna, thank God there are no Joannas, no Susanna. So please, I'm not preaching about you. And if you are married, please, I'm not preaching about you. Which ministered unto him of their substance. Do you see? Do you think they would have done this if all these infirmities, evil spirits, seven devils were in them? But when they are healed, when they avail themselves to the word of God and they are healed, they become some of the main supporters of their ministry. They were ministering to Jesus. He says, they ministered unto him of their substance. They were using their own money to support Jesus in their ministry when they are healed. Hallelujah. Are you understanding the word of God tonight? Yeah. So God is working on you. God is working on your emotions. God is working on your mind. God is working on your soul. The Bible says, He restoreth my soul. In Psalm 23 and 3, it says, He restoreth my soul. God is restoring. Why does it need to be restored? It means that where it is, it's not where it needs to be. It has to be restored. Do you understand? When you are restoring something, it means you are putting it back into the original, where it ought to be. So your soul ought to be restored. God is working on your soul to restore your soul. And when he's able to restore your soul, he will lead you to a path of righteousness. He will bring you to a place of green pastures. When God has been able to work on you, so at every stage, God has begun a good work in you. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, God has begun a good work in you. Say, he will complete it, but not until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let us bring our service to you. And end now, and we will continue next time we meet. Amen. God has begun a good work in us. God has begun a good work in us. Oh, pray and ask God that you avail yourself for Him to work on you, to work on your spirit, to work on your soul to work on your mind, to work on your emotions, to work on your will. The will, the will, the will to work on you. It is he. It is he. It is God. It is God. It is God. His image. Lord, that is our prayer tonight. To have more of you, O God. Lord, we avail our spirits to you. Fill our hearts, O God. Fill our hearts, O God. Fill our hearts. Father, renew our minds. Work on our minds. Work on our emotions. Work on our will. Work on the flesh. Work on our strength, God. Work on us, O God, that we become more and more of you. That we will attain that perfection, the perfect state that you possess. The perfect state that you had in mind when you possessed us. Lord, that is our prayer tonight. In the name of Jesus. Anything that stands in our way, that prevents us from availing ourselves for you to work on. Lord, remove them from our lives. In the name of Jesus. But tonight, oh God, we say we avail our lives to you. We avail our spirits to you. We avail our hearts to you. We avail our minds to you. 
we avail our emotions work on our emotions work on our will we thank you lord in the name of jesus amen amen now with all eyes closed and with all heads bowed if you are here tonight you are not born again and you want to give your life to jesus you are saying pastor pray with me i want to give my life to jesus i want to receive jesus christ as my savior if that is your prayer just lift up your hand wherever you are and i'll pray with you you want to give your life to jesus tonight lift up your hands your right hand and i'll pray with you is there anyone here like that you want to give your life to jesus is there anyone here like that father we are thankful we are grateful in the name of jesus we give you praise and honor we thank you for the gift of salvation we thank you lord that you are still working on us it gives us assurance lord that we have not reached we are grateful lord may you continue to work on us may you complete the work that you have begun in us in jesus name amen amen hallelujah why don't you clap for jesus as you take your seats we believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message we invite you to join us on sunday afternoons for our dual of heaven service and tuesday evenings for our word power service for more messages by reverend bright and kuma please subscribe to the qfc bronx north podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738 stay blessed